It is Thursday, July 20th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Open Championship underway. And a big announcement for the UFC. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. We're smack dab in the middle of the British Open Championship. It's the Open Championship. Say it right. I think if you use that accent, you got to say the Open. Fuck. <laughs> All right. We're smack dab in the middle of the Open Championship. Perfect. At Royal Liverpool. At Royal Liverpool. No notes. <laughs> well done, AJ. Well done. Uh, the Vegas lead is not going to be the Open Championship. If you, By the time you're listening to this podcast, we could be midway through the first round. Hope your first round leader tickets are looking good, looking like they could cash your matchup bets. If you listen to Will Doctor or not. Ooh, we, let's go, Ewan. <laughs> let's go, Ewan is right. Uh, but the Open Championship will update you tomorrow as we progress throughout the weekend there at Royal Liverpool. But I want to lead with Major League Baseball because – The Yankees just got swept by the Angels last night. And we we want to talk about why the Yankees suck. Well, we they just they stink. (laughs) That's it. Aaron Judge ran the bases though yesterday. So that's promising. He ran the but no one hit the ball. How did he Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They no, they absolutely stink. But the Angels win again, sweeping the Yankees, as I mentioned. And with that win, Anaheim is now four and a half games back of a wild card spot in the American League. I still call them Anaheim, by the way, not the LA Angels. They're, oh, but the, they're, yeah. you saying the British Open's wrong. Well, that's that's disrespectful. Uh, a little disrespectful to Anaheim. No, that's term of endearment. That's where they're from. That's where they play. Pasadena, where you at? Word. Completely different sides of the county, Mac. Mac. Different counties. Even Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, but four and a half games out of a wild card <laughs> spot. We are, you know, a little over a week away from the trade deadline. Do we still feel like Otani gets moved, or does the fact that they've now won a few games in a row give them hope that they can hold on to him and chase a playoff spot? The odds say, and what we've heard a lot about, it's going to be very difficult to find a package that would bring back Otani. Mm -hmm. And the odds say that it's going to be very difficult. Whether it's because the Angels are playing better or because they can't find the right deal – McKenzie, it's it sounds like at least Vegas thinks Otani's going to finish the season as an angel. Yeah, minus two hundred that he will not be traded before the deadline. Plus one fifty if you think he will be. If they win, like let's look at the rest of their schedule here. They play the Pirates now for three games, and then they're at Detroit for three games. There is a legit chance. This I'm not going to say they're going to win nine straight games, but can they win eight out of nine? Sure. Can they win seven out of nine? I think seven out of nine is the expectation. You would expect them at home to take two of three from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And you would expect them with uh, Otani on the mound. Otani's on on the mound against Pittsburgh uh, on Friday. But you would expect that they should be able to take two of three from Detroit. Seven out out of nine? They might be two and a half games out of a wild card spot at that point. Yeah, they're playing two teams that are, you know, 12 and nine games under 500, and they're a middle of the road, a, a, a basically a 500 baseball club. Yeah, they, they should be able to win those games. So 
beating the Yankees does two things. It really kind of buries the Yankees. It's it's getting there, which we'll get to shortly. The Yankees, second most strikeouts in a series in history mm. for the Yankees against the Angels. But it also gives a little glimmer of hope to the Angels. And if you've got a glimmer of hope, the worst thing you can do to your fan base is sell your best player. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the worst time to do it. It's like if you're maybe on the brink, your team wants to see you go for it when you've got a guy like Otani, not just say, ah, it's not going to happen. The Angels are kind of stuck in a weird no man's land where realistically they're not a World Series contending team. Mm-hmm. But to their fan base, it's like we got to eventually do something besides let these teams that have great players like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani not show up at the play, in, in the playoffs. So uh, they're in a weird spot right now. I, I think these next two series will give a little more clarity as to which way they go. I would agree. I, and I thought that it was for sure going to happen, that they were going to trade Otani. But now with the sweep of the Yankees and then looking at these – Looking at the schedule coming up, you're right. Over the next couple of couple of days after these two series, I think the Angels will sit down and have a real discussion about where they are on Friday, July 28th, as they head to Toronto for a three-game set that will close out July. They'll finish July Monday the 31st at Atlanta and then the trade deadline on, on deadline day. And if they're less than three games out of a wild-card spot, which they very well likely will be, they don't trade Shohei Otani. So to me, it's as simple as this: every you need to call uh, you need to call the Angels the day after they lose two games in a row. If you call them today, you're buying real high, and you're going to have to pay a premium because right now it's looking like they can get back in it. Uh, you probably should have called them if you were going to call them. You should have called them last week and made some wowing offer. Every game that they win is going to make the price higher. Just like every game that they lose makes them more apt to trade, and maybe oh, maybe we can accept a little bit less. So uh, it's going to be an interesting game of, of cat and mouse with all these teams, and who who reaches out to the Orioles, Mac? Who are or who, to the Angels? Excuse me, Mac. Who are the uh, the favorites to land Otani should he leave? Big market teams. The highest spending teams are all the favorites. The L.A. Dodgers at three to one. New York Yankees at four to one. Philly. The last place Yankees. The last place for the first it's time. It's so since absurd. Boy, that would be a str- that would be uh, some sort of splash, huh? You think they make the playoffs if they get them? They're underdogs right yes. now. Yes, absolutely. If they get Otani, it's worth it at that point. If they get Otani and Aaron Judge comes back, yes, they make the playoffs. What would you trade? I, I mean, you would have to trade Jason Dominguez, who's their top prospect. You would have to probably trade Anthony Volpe. That's what I was going to say. That's who they and, ask for. Is that legal and, in New York to trade Anthony yeah, Volpe? It would it, well, if he gets Otani, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that's right. Always so forgiven. You'd have to give up Jason Dominguez, the, the one of the best prospects in all of baseball. You'd have to give up Anthony Volpe, and you'd have to give up probably a, a you know a pitcher. In which they don't really have extras yeah. of. But, I mean, I, I guess know. Otani fills that hole. Yeah, there's teams that, that aren't mentioned that I'm surprised to hear that they're not. The, the teams that feel like, if you added Otani to their roster, they are the best team in baseball. And the two teams that really come to mind for me, one is Houston, the other is Tampa. If you add Shohei Otani to Houston or Tampa Bay, that's the team to beat, in my mm. opinion. Uh, and I guess, I mean, listen, obviously, like if you add him to Atlanta, Atlanta's the team to beat for sure. I, I'm just trying to be realistic here. Uh, and I guess maybe the Dodgers are in that same conversation, but. I, I haven't heard anyone talking about Houston or Tampa, two teams that have kind of scuffled a little. 
but are, I mean, obviously still good enough to to be in contention. Those two teams, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if one of those teams makes a makes a big play. Knowing that, particularly in the Rays' case, they're not the type of team that's going to sign Otani to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. But they are. Remember when the Marlins would do this? The Marlins would say, we're close. We're going for it this year. And then at the end of the season, they wouldn't re-sign anybody. Yep. Everybody would just be gone, and they'd start all the way over. Wouldn't shock me to see Tampa do something like that. Now, the Astros, on the other hand, they're not in a position to do that. But there's pieces that they could give up, including Chaz McCormick, who's been fantastic over the last couple months, uh, and maybe even like a Hunter Brown type guy. But if you put Otani next to Jordan Alvarez in that lineup when he's healthy, I mean, you, you mentioned Judge, but the Astros are you know an actual playoff contending team mm-hmm. right now, unlike the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> it's fired. It's just, I mean, it's it's one of those things. That you, how do you beat that team? That's a good point. I just don't know if Houston would be willing to do it, and I don't know if Otani would go there because he's not going to sign long term. But he would but, go there. But re- yeah. when different ownership group. But remember, Houston did this before for Randy Johnson. They knew they weren't going to keep Randy Johnson, and they said, we're going for it. Uh, made, made Gave up legit, including Freddie Garcia, like legit players that helped the Mariners for the next 10 years mm-hmm. for a shot at a playoff run. Now, the Astros aren't as hungry as they have been because they've won two World Series in the last five years. So there's no no need to like go sell the farm. But there's there's teams like Tampa, Texas, who have never won a World Series. Even if I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep them, those types of teams, I'm looking to make some kind of a play. But we, and McKenzie actually mentioned before the Orioles, the first place Baltimore Orioles. Uh-huh. Why not? Like, is is Shohei Otani going to play for Baltimore for the next ten years? I'd say I'd put the chances at 05 percent. All right, but can he play for them this year and help them help them win the World Series? Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned the Orioles because they made a move yesterday that maybe is a precursor to bringing in Shohei Otani. They traded for Shintaro Fujinami from the A's. And so the Orioles now get the right-hander, the Japanese 29-year-old right-hander who was pathetic for uh, the A's this year. But throws really hard. But he's got good stuff, and maybe the Orioles think they can get something out of him, right? Maybe this was a move made... Because they plan on going after Otani, and at least it gives him a friend. Now, I know I, it sounds so, like, screwed up when I say it like that, but I've made this point before. Like Otani can't have non-Japanese friends. It's, like, I've impossible made, for him. I've made this point before. I feel like whatever team he signs with long-term, he would be more comfortable in a new city with somebody that he can identify with with a, a friend that he already, a former teammate, a guy that he's played with before, you know? Did they play together in Japan? No, but they played, because uh, he played on a different team, but World Baseball Classic and all these other, you know, okay. all, all, all events or whatever. Um, same thing with uh, um, Kodai Senga from the Mets. And they're all around the same age. They're 28, 29, 30 years old. I just think that, could this be like this could you know we all we look for like little signals in sports betting all the time like this is like oh they're doing this for a reason like, like it's not like a shadow conspiracy but like we look for little tidbits like this like the wind horse fingers kind of moment yeah, yeah. now why would they do that <laughs> now, i'm gonna do wind horse ready <clears throat> the baltimore orioles just traded 
for a 29-year-old pitcher. Very strange trade. Very strange. That has an 8.57 ERA this year. <laughs> I'm sitting back in my chair right now. Now, why would they do this? <laughs> why would they do this? <laughs> I, maybe this is because Otani wins. If you agree a, with that conspiracy theory. It's a way theory, to lure Otani. You can get the Orioles 80-1 to 1 to land them. So even wow. if they don't win anything with but them, you got that, them. Is that only for this trade deadline, or does that include next season, like in the offseason? It'd be for it'd be which team is does he play for next? If next is that team what, he plays is that for what, besides the by, by game one of the 2024 regular season. So it would have to be this trade line. No, wait, no by game one of the 2024 yeah. regular season. So it could happen this offseason. Exactly. I think All right. yeah, So let's do it. 80 to 1 Baltimore Orioles. That's that's worth a little sprinkle. I think so. He has a friend there, so yeah, he's got a friend. Speaking of Otani, <laughs> speaking of Otani, he leads the majors with his 35 home runs, and he's on a pace that Aaron Judge was on last year when he broke the uh, American League home run record, blasting his 62nd home run. So Aaron Judge before the game against the Angels, which he didn't play, but he ran the bases before okay. the game. Well, it's good that he's practicing running the bases. That's something I don't think he'll be doing in the actual games. As the Yankees struck out 42 times in a three-game set against the Angels. Franchise history, the most they've struck out, 43 times Wow! in a three-game series. That was in 2021. Yankees really good at striking out right now. But that means if Aaron Judd gets on base, somehow, at least he won't have to run much if that's going to bother him. That's a good point. Or you can just hit home runs and trot around the base. That's the move. Walk. Yeah. <laughs> Moonwalk. All right, let's take a look at the Major League schedule here for Thursday. A Got short... some day games. Uh, the Diamondbacks at the Braves. Atlanta's minus 195 with Spencer Strider on the mound against Zach Gallon. An incredible pitching matchup in this one. And don't look now. The Braves are slumping. They've lost four straight games and run the risk of being swept by the visiting Arizona Diamondbacks. And, yes, Zach Allen is the man, but Zach Allen has terrible home road splits. He's incredible at home. He's awful on the road. Spencer Strider, meanwhile, pitching for the Cy Young. This, the winner of this game is going to have a leg up in the Cy Young race in the National League. And I got to give the edge to Strider here because I don't think the Braves get swept. Yeah, I um, it, 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 I want to bet the the Braves here, but then you mentioned like because I you, I've heard you say before, Gallon bad away from home, mm-hmm. but man, the Braves just not playing their best ball right now. I know it's kind of contrarian, and the market opened at nine and a half for the total. It's down to eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I might be interested in an over. It's not a bad thought. With It's contrarian. Uh, both these two pitchers are one and two. The Cy Young odds in the National League. Strider, the favorite at plus 210. Gallon, the second favorite at plus 250. The third favorite for the National League Cy Young is Blake Snell at plus 450. Blake Snell, over his last 10 starts, has allowed just four runs while striking out 91 batters in 58 innings. He gets the start for the Padres in Toronto against the Blue Jays, and Chris Bassett goes for the Blue Jays. You want to talk about home road splits? He's another one. Very good at home. Very bad on the road. But at home, 5-1 and one with a 2.47 ERA. San Diego is minus 120. Total in this one is 9. This is Bassett with the uh, – yep. how about under 9 in that game? I like it. I like it a lot. All right.
The Brewers are at the Phillies. Corbin Burns on the mound against Taiwan Walker. Philadelphia minus 125. There's just great pitching matchups uh, today in baseball. Giants are at the Reds. Reds. Alex Cobb on the mound for San Francisco. And it's going to be Andrew Abbott on the mound for the Reds. He's had a pretty good start to his uh, season this year. San Francisco's minus 120 on the road. Total of nine and a half. White Sox at the Mets. If only the Mets can just face the White Sox all the time. <laughs> Like their season would turn around. Sure. Because uh, they, you know, won two straight here against Chicago. Verlander pitched well yesterday, and now the Mets will turn it over to Jose Quintana, making his 2023 season debut. Quintana last pitched for the Cardinals. Last season, uh, remember, started the season with the Pirates, acquired by the Cardinals at the deadline, and pitched pretty well for them. So the Mets, this was one of their signings in the offseason that they're hoping pays off for them. Michael Kopech gets the start for the White Sox. Mets minus 155, total of nine. Tigers at the Royals, and the system worked last night. Yes, it did. Play against the Royals after a win. They uh, they actually had a lead, 2-1. to one. They lost 3-2. to two. Zach Granke gets the start for the Royals. Michael Lorenzen scheduled for the Tigers. Twins are at the Mariners. Pablo Lopez on the mound for Minnesota. George Kirby for the Mariners. Seattle minus 135. Orioles, the first place Orioles are at the Rays. Kyle Gibson on the mound for Baltimore. Tyler Glass now for Tampa. Baltimore snapping their uh, small two-game losing streak. The Rays, though. They've lost four straight games. Does Glass now snap the skid? Razor minus one ninety. Ooh, it's not 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 for me at that number. So no, I I certainly wouldn't play that there. That's uh, I don't I don't feel comfortable with Tampa right now laying big favorites, even with Glass now pitching. The Cardinals, winners of five straight. It's happening. Might be. It's happening. They are in Chicago to take on the Cubs. Marcus Stroman gets the start for Chicago. They're minus 130. Steven Matson is 0-7 record. Goes for the Cardinals. Astros are at the A's. J.P. France on the mound for Houston. Uh, Hunter Harris getting the start for Hogan Harris. Excuse me, getting the start for the A's. The A's have won two straight games. Ooh, I kind of want to fade them here then, all right? <laughs> what? The last time the A's won back-to-back games, it was against Detroit on July 4th and 5th. Prior to that, against Chicago, the 30th and the 1st. Prior to that, it was their long winning streak when they won the seven straight games. Only uh, back-to-back wins three, four times this season, five mm-hmm. times this season, so... Do they make it three straight again? Do they go to a, do another actual they have only winning won, streak? They've only won three straight one time, and that was in the and, middle of that seven-game so winning streak. So what's the number for today? Today, the Astros are minus 190. I, I think Astros is the play. I'd say the Astros are the play. The basketball tournament, TBT, started last night. Can you call it the TBT? No, you just have to say TBT, right? Because yeah. the first T is the. Yep. It'd be redundant. Yeah, but I feel like people do say the TBT. They're wrong. Yeah, they are wrong. 64 teams in the field for the basketball tournament, and it is basically like the NCAA tournament. It's win or go home. The bracket is out. The odds are up. We had the first bracket being played last night, and for those not familiar with TBT or the basketball tournament, it's a... $1 $1 million winner-take-all tournament that is now in its 10th year of existence. 
This is where the Elam ending came about that the NBA has now utilized in its all-star game over the past couple of years. You know, they call it the target score or whatnot. It's called the Elam ending. They've been using it in the basketball tournament, and it makes it exciting because every game ends with a buzzer beater, right? There is a game-winning shot every game. How does it work? Well, with eight minutes left on the clock, they add a certain amount of points to the team that's winning, and that's your target score. Doesn't mean that the team that's losing can't win. They just got to come back and win, right? So uh, the tar- th- that's where that's really what publicized the Elam ending was this, the basketball tournament. And it's fun. It, it's, it's a bettable event that if you know some of these former college players that are playing for these teams, because most of these teams, when this tournament first started, you had a bunch of pros from overseas, you know, in like European leagues that were playing together, the overseas elite. They won it four years in a row. They were like the best team in the TBT. But all these colleges started putting in alumni teams. The first ever winner of the TBT was the Notre Dame Fighting Alumni. Which, by the way, most of those guys are overseas yes, players. exactly. Uh, Bayheim's Army, the Syracuse alumni team, is one of the top teams in this event every single year. Um, you have uh, Carmen's Crew, which is a Ohio State-led team. And there's not just former college stars that are playing for these teams, but some of the teams are coached by NBA stars, guys that are coaching their team's alumni teams. Uh, Marcus and Markeith Morris are coaching the Kansas alumni team. That's cool. It is cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it's certainly a unique, uh, it, it's a unique uh, game. And if, if you're dying for basketball, this is your ticket. You got you got a little bit here. It ain't. It's not everything, but it's something. And hey, if you if you can scout out these teams and and get a feel for these players, I'm telling you, this is a good opportunity to win some money. Here's the odds that we have right now up on the DraftKings sportsbook for the TBT winner, your favorite to win it all, Best um, Virginia um, at ten to one odds, Best Virginia. Which, if you had to guess, what alumni team would that be, AJ? North Carolina. Ooh, so close. North Carolina State. Nope, Duke. Uh, (laughs) Best Virginia is the West Virginia alumni team. They are led by their head coach. Bob Huggins? James Long is their head coach. It wasn't going to be Bob Huggins, but he decided to spend the night out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's so bad. Here's the roster. Alex Gross, Chase Harler, uh, Eric Stevenson, John Flowers, Kadrian Johnson, Kevin Jones, Quincy Ford, Nathan Flowers, Nathan Adrian, Sean McNeil, and Tevon Myers. I'm going to go soft favorite there. That's a beatable favorite, friend. So you don't know any of those players. I mean, huh? I know some of them, but I, I don't think that that's a particularly strong group uh, mm. compared to some of the, the other ones I saw, certainly. Yeah, well, they uh, are the host team of their region, so they are playing the games on their home court until they advance you know, further down the line in the tournament. So they're the favorites plus 140 in that West Virginia region. Your second favorite to win the event at 11 to 1 odds, the program for autism. This is a, uh, a nice, you know, team that's thrown together for a good cause, raise some money, and 
don't know if they're going to donate the prize if they win, but it would be weird if they didn't. It would be weird if they didn't. <laughs> um, it says uh, here they will. They were the runners up last year for the uh, TBT. Previously named Autism Army. Now they are the program for autism, coached by Tiny Morton. Uh-huh. Dwayne Tiny Morton, former Lincoln High School coach. There you go. So I'm wondering if like a lot of these guys are maybe like Lincoln alumni. Um let's see. AJ English playing for this team. We know him. Uh a couple other guys that we might recognize. Stefan Moody, Nigel Johnson. Well, we'll see. We'll see how they do in this thing. Bayheim's Army, the Syracuse alumni team, is your third favorite at eleven to one. Mass Street, the Kansas alumni team, also eleven to one. That's my pick to win this thing. I'm going with Mass Street, the Kansas alumni team, coached by Marcus and Markeith Morris. Because if you look at the players that's on this Kansas alumni team, Brandon Rush, Keith Langford. Mario Chalmers, Mitch Lightfoot, like these are household names. Well, if you're a fan of Kansas basketball, yeah. but everyone knows Mario Chalmers, Mario Chalmers, <laughs> right? Everyone knows Brandon Rush. Like Brandon Rush had a nice NBA career. Yeah. So did Chalmers. Yeah. I mean, they're old, but I, I think that the experience on this team, led by the uh, the NBA vets in uh, Markeith, Markeith and Marcus Morris, Mario Littles on this team as well. I think this is the best team in the tournament. Thomas Robinson played five years in the league. Yeah, I think this is the team to beat. They are 11-1 to now. They won their first game last night. They were 12-1 to before the tournament. So with the win last night, it uh, dropped down to 11-1. to And speaking of that win last night, they didn't cover. They were double-digit favorites over We Are D3, a team of... You guessed it, Division Three uh, alumni players, and they only won by three, 70-67. Their next matchup coming up here uh, in a couple of days is against Show Me Squad, which is the Missouri alumni team that won their first game against Vegas Rebellion, the UNLV alumni team. Show Me Squad won 96-90. So Mass Street against Show Me Squad, and the Mass Street team is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Seems about right. Heaviest favorite on the board for games coming up today. You have Heartfire, 11.5-point favorites over Juco Products. Those kids play junior college. And Aftershocks, which is the Wichita State alumni team, who they actually draw a crowd at the arena, the Koch Arena. That's not surprising at all. They set the TBT attendance record a couple of years ago. They had like 20,000 fans over the course of a couple of games watching them play in like a a summer tournament here of players that used to play for the college in Wichita state. Anyway, they're 13 point favorites and they are playing at home in their home, in their home arena, the aftershocks, 13 point favorites over B one ballers. I'm going to make a little, uh, I'm going to make a little wager on the Xavier regional Scott, and I'm going to go with the hometown boys, zip them up. They're the second favorites in the region at plus two ten behind the aforementioned program for autism, who's plus 160. But they've got J.P. McCurr on that team. They've got Paul Scruggs on that team. Paul Scruggs was like an all-Big East player 
two years ago. Mm. Uh, Paul Scruggs won an NIT championship, I think, last year, 2022. So, like, these are guys who are pretty, you know, recently removed from playing college ball. Some guys who have played together before. Uh, I think I'm going to take a shot with them to win their division. They made it to the third round of the t- or, or of TBT. I almost said the <laughs> TBT last season. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say that they get out of this region. So I'm going to go with zip them up plus two ten to win the Xavier region. Zip them up's first game will be uh, on tomorrow on Friday. They are twelve and a half point favorites in their first game against Georgia Kings. So at playing on their home arena, they're at Xavier. They're 12-and-a-half-point favorites in game one. I think that's a good sign for them to get off to a good start. One of the game or one of the teams that jumped out to me, we were looking at rosters, and Florida has a team. Uh, Gatorverse. Corey Brewer, like a lot, of the, a lot of the guys have older alumni as coaches. Corey Brewer's playing. 16-year NBA vet Corey Brewer is playing in this game. Top 10 draft pick Corey Brewer is playing in this tournament. Who does Florida play, or excuse me, who does Gataverse play (laughs) in their first matchup? Shell Shock is the first game for the Gataverse uh, against Shell Shock. It's not Gataverse, it's Gataverse. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Gata. If we're going to say the British Open right, let's say Gataverse <laughs> gotcha. properly. Shellshock is uh, the team that they will play. Imagine you like you're suiting up for this tournament and out walks Corey Brewer, and he's like, I would imagine. Uh, well, for, from all the rosters I looked at, Corey Brewer is the most experienced player mm-hmm. uh, out here, and probably the most successful at an NBA level. I wonder, like, the defense, do you think it still holds up? Like, Corey Brewer, known as an elite defender, do you think at 37, 38 years old, Corey Brewer is still locking down these kids, non-NBA guys? It's all about fitness and intensity. So did he let himself go, or is he trying to win this thing? I don't know. I think you could tell about 20 seconds in looking at him if he was playing with that old flair. Shellshock, by the way, the Maryland alumni team. Makes some sense. And no lineup on that game. That's not until next week. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try. If you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this, it's all online, it's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, 
B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support. Vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. We've been going through, I say we've been going through, well, we, we, so far we've done the SEC, and now we're going to take a look at the Big Ten as we go week by week and preview the major conferences in college football. We are looking at a win total over, a win total under, a conference champion, and a dark horse conference champion, so someone that's Outside of five to one or outside of the top two favorites, uh, seems like the how, what we'll describe as a dark horse, unless you want to bet Rutgers to win the uh, oh, to yeah. win the, the Big Ten. I mean, well, that seems that seems smart. That could happen, I suppose. Uh, Big Ten, let's do a, a quick rundown of the odds to win the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you could get Michigan or Ohio State. At the same plus 165, you can get Penn State 6-1, to one, Wisconsin plus 750, Iowa 12-1, Illinois 30-1, to one, Minnesota 40-1, to one, Corn, it's Corn, 60-1, to one, Maryland 80-1, to one, Purdue 100-1, to one, Michigan State 150-1, to one, Northwestern. 300 to 1. Hmm. Rutgers and Indiana. 500 to 1 if you want one of those two. And I don't think that Rutgers and Indiana are necessarily worse than Northwestern, but they would have to go through the Eastern Division, which yeah. is the, that's where Michigan, Ohio, that's where the top three favorites live. Uh, while there's almost zero chance Northwestern could win the West. That's more of a chance than uh, than Indiana and Rutgers have of winning the East. So, with that said, let's go. I'll go to you first, Scott. Who is your conference champion and why? My conference champion is Michigan. Um, I think Michigan should probably be eleven and zero going into the Ohio State game, and they have the Ohio State game at home. So I think Michigan is going to be the representative from the East in the Big Ten championship game. Their running game is elite. Blake Corm's back after the injury that he suffered last season. They have a dynamic one-two punch with Donovan Edwards as well. And J.J. McCarthy's a star at quarterback. Like He's coming into his own. They're favored in every game right now, if you look on DraftKings. They are minus two and a half at Penn State, which is probably their most difficult test not probably. It is their most difficult test prior to the Ohio State game. And because they have the Ohio State game at home, they're favored right now at minus two and a half over Ohio State. So I like Michigan to finish the year at worst 11 and one and win the Big Ten. I like that as well. Uh, and if you like that, you probably like their win total over 10 and a half as I well. I do, because I think yeah. that I, they should, like I said, they should be 11 and 0. 
going into the Ohio State game. If they lose, let's say they lose at Penn State and they're 10-1, and one, then they'll need the win over Ohio State to get into the Big Ten championship game. They'll be 11-1. and one. They'll go over the 10.5, and, and they'll beat whoever comes out of the West. I'm with you. Uh, I like I like them to win it at plus 165. I like them over 10.5. No, I might feel differently if the game was at the horseshoe. Right. If it was at Ohio State, I'd feel a little different. But well, I also just think that, like, this might be the past two years, let's say, might be the most talent that Jim Harbaugh has ever had at Michigan. I don't think and, it's even – it might be. I and, think it's and, without question. Yeah, and this year, you know, with the quarterback finally coming into his own, I think McCarthy is a Heisman candidate, and I think this offense is ready to roll. In the last two seasons, let's let's fit. You mentioned them. There's essentially two losable games on the schedule: the Ohio mm-hmm. State game and then the Mich- or the Penn State game. But they're favored in both of them right now. In the last two seasons, Michigan is four and zero against those two schools, mm-hmm. and they've won those four games by an average of sixteen points per game. Penn State, Ohio State, both changing quarterback this year. Michigan isn't. They they're set. They return JG JJ McCarthy for his second full year on yep. you know like he, it should just get better. Uh, yeah, there's no more Cade McNamara there to, no. to decide. Oh, maybe we go in this direction. Nope, it, it's his team. I think Michigan is the best team in the country. Not called Georgia, so I've got to slot him in here. They return most of that core from the last two seasons. They're top twenty nationally in TARP in returning production, uh, and they're second in the conference only to Wisconsin. They've won the Joe Moore Award the last two seasons for best offensive line in the country. This this year's line looks better than those two. Uh, you mentioned Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. 2,450 yards combined last year, 25 touchdowns. Behind the best offensive line in the country. The defense was strong last year, shouldn't lose a step. Importantly, I think, Harbaugh brought back his entire coaching staff. Like, there was a lot of talk about Harbaugh leaving, There was talk about his coordinators getting big jobs. Everybody stayed. What I also love about picking Michigan to win is you could probably hedge out late season if Ohio State, for whatever reason, looks unstoppable. But with all the turnover Ohio State has, I I don't know that I'm going to look at them as being unstoppable. Another thing of note, just talking about the talent that Michigan has, PFF just released their preseason All-Big Ten team. Michigan had... 14 guys <laughs> on the preseason all Big Ten team. Now you might say, well, how many teams do they have? They have three teams, so mm-hmm. there's going to be 66 guys. Yep. But remember, th- there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten. and There's more than 10. There's more than 10. And seven of the Michigan guys were on the first team. Wow. So this is an incredibly stacked team. Uh, while Ohio State's trying to replace C.J. Stroud, I think McCarthy's just due to get better. You've got the best quarterback. in. You've got the best running backs. You've got the best offensive line in the conference. I think Michigan's a solid bet at plus 165. Yeah, and J.J. McCarthy, 18-1 to to win the Heisman right now, I think is a sneaky little bet. All right, let's talk about your dark horse. Who do you like? If it's not, let's just say if it's not Michigan or Ohio State, Mm -hmm. who do you see it? I think the only way to play a dark horse is you have to pick a team from the West because no one in the East is is going to beat Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State. And so the three of them are not dark horses. So automatically I go look to the West, and I think Wisconsin is the most likely to get to the championship game out of the West. 
Luke Fickle comes in at head coach from Cincinnati and gives them instant credibility. They also brought in a new offensive coordinator in Phil Longo, who worked under Mac Brown in North Carolina. So he saw Sam Howell, you know, light up that offense from a passing game perspective. Before that, he was at Ole Miss, where he led a prolific passing attack. So who does Wisconsin have to play quarterback to run this offense? Well, they bring in Tanner Mordecai, quarterback Not from Graham e- Mertz anymore. No. Thank God. Tanner Mordecai from SMU, who ran a high flying passing offense there for the Mustangs. You look at their schedule, they'll be 6 0 right out of the gate. They're likely a nine win team, maybe a 10 win team if they can beat Illinois or Minnesota on the road. Those are two tough road games, but the rest of their schedule, nine wins at least for them. So I also like their over eight and a half as their win total at minus 130. But I think that they are the most likely representative from the Big Ten West to be in the championship game. And when you're looking at a dark horse to win this conference, all you need is just to be in the championship game and you got a shot. So I'm taking Wisconsin to represent the West and be the dark horse to possibly upset a Michigan or an Ohio State, or a Penn State in the title game. That was my thought as well, but you kind of kicked me in the nuts there because I went with Penn State. It's 6-1 to one is my dark horse, mm. and you said they're not a dark horse. I, I don't know. When you got two two teams that are like plus 100-something. No, listen, we set the rules. We said anything 5-1 to one or greater. So at 6-1, to one, you're, you're well within the rules. Now. And my thought was... Wisconsin plus 750, by the way. If this team, Penn State, if, if they can split... The, the Michigan-Ohio State games, and everybody splits those yeah, three games. Yeah, then it goes down to the highest. There's some sort of tiebreaker. It's like, the highest-ranked team in the college football playoff rankings. And depending on when the losses happen, mm-hmm. you know, it, like that Which could, the Michigan-Ohio State loss will be, be the, the last end. thing that the committee sees, so the loser of that game might actually drop below a Penn State. So that my thought is if, if it t- gets into some sort of a three— I, I, don't, I don't think Penn State can beat both those teams. I, I just don't. But if they can upset one of them, you've got a chance— uh, they climbed out of the gutter last year after a couple rough seasons, at least by Penn State standard seasons. Finished 11-2, and two, and they lose Sean Clifford, but I don't know how much of a bad thing that is considering Drew Aller looks like he's ready to be the next big thing at that position. They returned the majority of their offensive line. The defense is going to be solid again, and outside of those two big dogs, the schedule's very, very forgiving. Uh, and whoever, if they make it to the Big Ten championship game, they're a massive favorite in that game. Yeah, obviously. So yeah. to get them at six to one, I, I don't think that's the, the a, a bad flyer on a dark horse. Although, again, I love Michigan this year. I, I, like I said, they're my favorite team in the country besides Georgia. So this is certainly just a a value flyer. I don't know that I'll even actually have any any actual investment Mm -hmm. on this play. So, all right, let's look at win totals. Let's start with your over. Where are you at over the win totals? Well, I'm just going to stick with Wisconsin. So eight and a half at minus 130. And I mentioned when I talked about them as a dark horse that they'll be 6-0 out of the gate. That's because they're favored in all six games. It's Buffalo at Washington State, home to Georgia Southern, at Purdue, home to Rutgers, home to Iowa. They're they're, they're 6-0. With that schedule right now. Then they go to Illinois, which is one of their tough road tests. It's also a trap game because they're home against Ohio State the next week. So let's say, all right, maybe they lose both of those games. You bounce back with wins against Indiana and Northwestern. 
all of a sudden, that's your eight wins right there. Pick up a ninth win against either Nebraska or Minnesota. I think this team is talented enough to win 10 games. I think you're going to see a very un-Wisconsin-like offense from Luke Fickle and Phil Longo. It's not going to be just the, the, the running game. The running game will be there. And Wisconsin defensively will be strong as well because they have the big guys up front. But it's going to be more of an open passing attack that they have not had in several years. They got the right quarterback to do it. They got the right coach to do it. I think this is at least a nine-win team. Over eight and a half wins for Wisconsin, minus 130. I'm going to go with Corn, And I'm expecting the coaching change at Nebraska to pay immediate dividends, sort of the way you saw it with uh, with Illinois. When Brett Bielema came in for Lovey Smith, you know, they, they jumped three games the next season. Mm-hmm. Then the season after that, they were eight and five. Uh, I think I think Nebraska, who lost a ton of close games last year, remember, they lost like four games by three points or less. I think they lost two more by less than a touchdown. And I think Matt Rule is is going to have an early impact because he killed it in the transfer portal. Jeff Sims is going to be instantly the starting quarterback, and he's instantly the best quarterback Nebraska's had in probably six, seven years. Uh, that's a position they've struggled with. I think Jeff Sims is automatically, especially with Rule, I think is automatically going to mm-hmm. find some success. They brought in Eric Gilbert, who was looked at as like one of the two or three best tight end prospects in the country from Georgia. He just didn't get any playing time because he plays behind the best tight end in the country <laughs> in Brock Bowers. So he transfers to Nebraska. The defense has to get better, but Rule had a really nice defensive class, including a, a top five defender out of Texas in Princewell, Uman Mielin. I have good luck with that, but he's going to carry the pass rush unit and should have an immediate impact. Importantly for Nebraska, the schedule misses Penn State. It misses Ohio State. And besides Michigan, I think every home game is winnable for Nebraska. I, there's a really important matchup right away against Colorado. If they beat Colorado, I think six wins is the floor. So I like Nebraska over six wins for my win total. Where are you going to go for an under? Who underperforms in the Big Ten? We've talked about it before. It's Northwestern. It's under three and a half wins at minus 160. Yeah, you got to pay some juice now. It's juiced for a reason, but Fitzgerald gone, and this the, the program's in shambles. I can see players leaving after four games, saving their eligibility and entering the transfer portal. And just look at how much that Rutgers spread moved already Yeah, in week one. If they lose that game, they're probably only going to get two wins. They're probably going to beat UTEP and, and Howard, and that's it. Like, th- there's no other wins on there. There's no games where they'll be favored besides the UTEP game and the uh, Howard game. The rest of their schedule, if you're looking for an upset win over somebody, maybe home against Purdue, you can upset them at the end of the year. And even if they do that, it's three wins. If they lose to Rutgers, which now they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs, it's going to be real hard If they for lose them. to Rutgers, they can't win. They, they, they can't, can't win, win four games. games. I agree. It's going to be really hard for them. And we saw, like I said, we saw how much that spread moved from whatever it was, three, I think it was, to four to, to seven and a half with the coaching news of Pat Fitzgerald being gone. I just think there's too much, there's too much of a cloud over this entire program that I think it's just going to be a terrible year, one to forget for Northwestern. Well, uh, I don't disagree with your pick, but – 
I'm hoping that Northwestern wins that first game because I'm going Rutgers under four and a half. And Greg Schiano, he turned over a good chunk of his his coaching staff, which he had to. The offense was mm-hmm. so dreadful. It, but it looks like they're going to continue to run Gavin Wimsat out there. And he could not be – you couldn't have a worse quarterback. I well, I guess you can. Here's, here's why I say you can. He completed 44.8% of his passes last year. That was good for 145th out of 146 quarterbacks that attempted at least 125 passes. You're going against me on this. I'm going against you on this because I don't think Wemsat's going to be the quarterback. It's going to be Evan Simon. He's the best passer of the group, and that first game against Northwestern sets the tone for the entire season because assuming they win that game, again, we just mentioned it, they are seven-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. They win that game. They're going to be four and one after after they lose to Michigan and beat Wagner. Northwestern, Temple, home to Vatek. They lose to Michigan. They beat Wagner. That's four wins right there. All we need to hit this over is one upset victory. And it might not even be an upset victory because Michigan State stinks. And when they roll into whatever they're calling the stadium now, SHI Stadium or whatever they're calling the Rutgers Stadium now these days, Jersey Mike's, I don't know. Uh, Whatever happens, that Michigan State game could be the win that gets them to five, or you're just hoping for an upset somewhere down the line, maybe final game of the year against Maryland. Here's why I don't think it even matters who plays quarterback. They lost their top three wide receivers from last year. They lost half their offensive line again. This team does it on defense. If you look at last year, right? No doubt, it's legit again. And and they return a lot of their a lot of their talent from from you know a lot of their talent on defense from last year. This is the thing you mentioned: their offense sucks, and I agree with you. It sucked last year, but in the games that they scored twenty one points, they were undefeated. Well, the problem, like, if, how many times did Rutgers I just, score 21 points mm-hmm. is the question. Four, three games? Four games. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's the point. I need. They scored 22 against Boston College, 66 against Wagner. They beat Temple scoring 16. They beat Indiana scoring 24. In every, oh, they had 21 in a loss against Michigan State. But in every other game, they scored under three touchdowns. That's the point I'm trying to make. If they can just find a way offensively to score three touchdowns, in games, they're going to win more than four games. Here, they're not going to win six, but I think five is a good number. Here's what I think. I believe that Rutgers also lost one of their most important players this offseason. They had the Ray Guy winner from last season and Adam Corsack. And when you punt the football as much as Rutgers punts the football, that's a pretty key loss. When you're always behind the sticks, because they're like, there's no way their offense is going to suddenly become dynamic. No, they don't have good players. You've got to be able to play special teams and losing that guy, I think, is a big deal. Here's what I'll say. I think there's two key games. Well, three key games on their schedule, because I'm going to say Wagner and Temple are free squares. Uh, And I think Northwestern's a free square. I still don't think it's a free square. I think it's a game they should win. They should win. All right. So we're giving them two free squares. I think Virginia Tech. And Indiana, at Indiana, those are the games that are, are going to be the toughest games. Like, that's going to decide if they win five games or not. I think it's the Virginia Tech game that decides it. Because I have them, if I do the whole win-loss, win-loss, win game. Like I said, I have Rutgers going 4-1 and one after the Wagner game. I have them starting the season 3-0, beating Virginia Tech, 
winning those first three home games, getting blown out at Michigan, and then beating Wagner four and one. And I'm and and all I got to do in the second half of the season to get this win total is pick up one win. The only winnable game is Indi- at Indiana or home to Michigan State. Uh, eh, maybe. Or yeah. maybe, or, or maybe there's an, a home to Maryland. Maybe at the end of the year, you know that team's not playing for anything, and and you know, there, if there's a chance for a bowl game, teams could rise up. You know, sometimes you have a five win team that makes a bowl game. You don't have to. Uh, do the, the six wins anymore, right? Because of the teams that the academic rules and whatnot. So I don't know. Um, well, I, I just think that if you can find a better win total out there than four and a half, like if you get a four, yeah, play the old. I don't think you're going to find that though. No. Well, I'm glad. I think especially once the Northwestern drama happens. Yeah. I'm glad to have some action on this. So green button bet. I'm on Rutgers under four and a half. Are you? Rah, rah, are you? Scott rah, is rah, a homer. Are you? Rah, rah, uh, no are surprise. You, rah, rah. Scott is a homer. Uh Over four and a half for Scott. So there you go. There is our Big Ten breakdown Uh, next week. What? Big 12 will do? Big 12. Big 12 next week. We have college football bets already up on pregame.com. AJ's got some win totals. I know Fezzik's got some win totals. Head on over to pregame.com. You can jump on board with any package that you'd like to get ready for college football season and the NFL or you can just simply take part in some free contests or write in the forums or just buy a daily best bet. When you're a pregame.com member, you're family. Hmm. I, I think I've heard that before, like a restaurant said, when you're here, you're family. Yeah. When you're a member of pregame.com, you're family. That's nice. And as a member of pregame.com, as a new member, so if you haven't signed up already, just sign up and become a new member. We're going to give you $25. Just as a thank you. That's very, yeah. very generous. That's a, that's, a, that's a best bet. That's a three-star best bet winner for free. You could have gotten my baseball three-star last night. Well, that best nice. bet. That was a winner. Yeah. Smooth sailing. What'd you have? Detroit Tigers. Yeah, the, the system. Come on. The system, bro. Uh, so, free $25. Then once you're a pregame.com member, you can sign up for uh, any subscription that you'd like. You can take 20% off your purchase using our promo code HEAT20. Because it's so hot. Hot Heat 20. Too hot in the hot tub. Going to burn my flesh. Uh, Heat 20 gets you 20% off at pregame.com for anything that you'd like, whether it's a daily best bet or a season-long subscription package. And we also have the free Beat Sleepy J MLB contest still going on. I mean, you're behind the eight ball because guys have started already and they're getting units. They're winning units. But, hey, maybe they're also losing units. And that's where you can swoop in like Phil Helmuth on day one of the World Series of <laughs> Poker where he sits out the first, like, four hours and he just lets all, like, the stupid people lose because, you know, some people just go all in at the get-go and he doesn't want to get, like, burned by that. So he has his lunch and he shows up late. So what? He gets blinded out for a little bit, but he's still got his whole stack there. So that's what you could do here in this contest. And it's free to enter. What do you got to do? Go to pregame.com, click on contests, find the Beat Sleepy J MLB contest, and it's simple. Win the most units from now through the end of the World Series. The winner gets $250. But if that winner wins more than the 25.53 units that Sleepy won last year in the second half of the season, your $250 first place prize becomes $500 for first place. So free to enter, chance to win $500. Nothing better than that. It's only available at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. A.M.